Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Ginny. And, and together, we are, we are Reverend. <laughs> Yay, bring that again. Oh, no, it's funny. It's fine. <laughs> it's part of the weirdness of how we're recording this on Zoom and not using video. So a good news about recording on Zoom is that you might not be able to hear my dog Hunter crying in the background. Oh, he seems to think it's time for dinner, and <laughs> he's wrong about that. And so, so sorry, so Hunter. Um, you know, I'm not actually an abusive dog mother, but I did text <laughs> one of my sons and ask him to like deal with Hunter. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> so Becky, thank you for being with us last week for the hardest story in the land oh my gosh uh. it was it went it was such a great conversation and today we jump forward like <laughs> a so, lot a lot and we we get another like great story but it's not nearly as dramatic but it's like this magical God it's still pretty good story. Yeah, it's still a pretty good story. So we have moved ahead, and now Isaac is old enough to be married, and Abraham is super old. And so we're starting in Genesis 24, chapter 34. The servant said to Laban, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become wealthy. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but you shall go to my father's house, to my kindred and get a wife for my son. I came today to the spring and said, O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, if now you will only make successful the way I am going. I am standing here by the spring of water. Let the young woman who comes out to draw, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she also watered the camels. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to obtain the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me so that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will. 
So they sent away their sister Rebecca and her nurse, along with Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of myriads. May your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. Then Rebecca and her maids rose up, mounted the camels, and followed the man. Thus, thus the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahairoi and was settled in the Negeb. Isaac went out into the evening. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the field, and looking up, he saw camels coming. And Rebecca looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel and said to the servant, "Who is the man over there walking in the field to meet us?" The servant said. It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, it's absolutely meant to be a miraculous story where it's, it's meant to be very clear to the reader or to the listener. Cause actually when these stories were created, they were almost nobody read or could write. And so they were stories meant to be listened to. So for the people listening, it is meant to be very clear that Rebecca is the woman that God chose to be Isaac's wife. Mm -hmm. But all of this stuff about, her like them putting a ring in her nose and a bracelet on her hand like to buy her and i mean one really great thing in this that's kind of unusual is that they ask her if she'll go isn't that amazing yeah like they actually ask her and like she's so what i love about rebecca who i've thought about a lot oh my god and your name is reason. rebecca <laughs> So, like, what I love about Rebecca is that she's the most active matriarch. Like, she sets plans into motion. Like, Sarah does too, but Sarah does a lot of reacting, right? right. But, right. like, Rebecca is all about, like, okay, this thing happens. And, like, I'm going to talk to this dude. And, yeah, I'll water his camels. And, like, yeah, I'll go. Like, she must have been a certain type of person if they knew they had to ask. Well, that's good. That's such a good point. And also, it begins, it begins with her generosity because she doesn't actually have any idea that the stranger who's there is, has anything to do with her future. Mm -hmm. she, she's very hospitable. Yeah. yeah. She's not only beautiful, she is strong to pull all that water up. Camels drink a lot of water. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> and they have to draw it out, like fill the thing and pull it mm -hmm. out. But she, she does have a lot of agency and she does seem to be um, generous. And as you say, they somehow knew they had to ask her. <laughs> Which, and do you know what <laughs> yeah they had they had to like like they were like uh, she seems like a person that like if they didn't ask her they knew it would backfire <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> right right <laughs> well like, and um, she <laughs> and she also takes the initiative by slipping from the camel 
Oh you yeah. Know? I love this. I love this. It's like actually kind of like, like, like you think about them seeing each other for the first time. Yep. And like she slips on the camel and the veil thing is like biblical women didn't usually veil, but like it was a thing where you would veil before you got yep. married. So the right. groom wouldn't see you. So she like right. puts the veil on. Which, and is, then, which is a sign of her additional acceptance now that she's seen him. Yeah, she nope. did. She like, and she didn't know it was him. She was right. like checking out dudes. <laughs> like she's like, who's that dude? <laughs> Maybe I want to marry him instead. Right, right. You know, and right. then it's Isaac, so it works out great. Right, <laughs> like, right. But like, she doesn't know it's him. Like she gets off the camel to ask if it's him. Like she's yes. asking about other dudes. Like I right. love this about her. You know what else I love? I love, I love, I love that the word love, the word romantic love, is first use in the canon for Rebecca and Isaac. So wait, that's not, that is actually a word love that means romantic love? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, oh it, God, it actually means, oh my yeah, God. it means romantic love. And it's the first time that it's used. And it's the first time that a marriage in scripture is characterized by its love. Well, and it's got, and you can almost hear in the movie version, the the music welling up and it's like, you know, the beautiful sky and they see each other, you know, she slips from mm-hmm. the camel and it's on the veil. You know, it it's definitely meant to be. This oh, yeah. Story. And then, and then Isaac brought her into his mother, Sarah's I tent. Know. And, and then like he, he took her and she becomes his wife and he loves her right. and then he's comforted. And right. so there's like something, so like that's beautiful in and of itself, but it also means that she becomes the matriarch of that family. So, She's right. assuming power when she comes into Sarah's the tent. Sarah's tent. So I also really love, this is God choosing a spouse for someone and he makes them love each other. And that's really beautiful. Like that is the idea that God has. Okay. I don't want to go too far with this because there's still that whole patriarchal thing. And the, yeah, but the text is more subversive than we give it credit for. Yes. Because in a context within which you put the bracelets on her and the nose rings on her and you're going to trade her for money. They ask her if she wants to go. And she she you're right the text is more subversive the culture is still very oppressive but oh yeah in that context she has power and what we know she does later she totally (laughs) oh yeah isaac like poor isaac like i think about isaac as this sandwich dude between like his totally overbearing crazy dad and his and Jacob, his son. Like so, he's like he's like the long like and and, and Rebecca, who's just like engineering all the things that happened to him happen because of her. Well, and <laughs> Isaac doesn't have any language. Isaac doesn't have any words, any dialogue. Yeah, yep. she gets the dialogue. The all servant the gets the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any power here. The father Abraham. And God and the servant have orchestrated this mm-hmm. with Rebecca's consent and agreement. Mm-hmm. Isaac is such a passive. I mean, you can imagine he must be nice looking and his name is laughter though. God, we hope, I mean, he gets comforted after his mother's death that he finds mm-hmm. laughter again, isn't what we hope. And he finds love, but he is such a passive 
he he's like you say he's like the sandwich guy but he's hardly even interesting enough to be filling for a sandwich he's kind of more like the white bread on like boring white bread on the outside you know but that's like you know like every marriage has a chaos muppet and an order muppet (laughs) (laughs) i have a feeling i know which one in your marriage and my marriage is which you're the chaos right, right. like 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 there's like there's like the chaos agent we're the calming agent and like i don't know which one i am but like you know like it's a draw really i'm just kidding right you know and I, my secret theory is that all the order muppets secretly really love their chaos muppets yes because it gives- we got married, <laughs> right? I know. And, and so like <laughs> Isaac is just an order Muppet and Rebecca's a chaos Muppet and it's right. all fine. <laughs> right. Well, and of course, then they have the twins, which are also, they're so interesting. But mm-hmm. I want to point out something <laughs> that I noticed after our last week's episode. Isaac has moved to Beer Lehiroy, which is the place where Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, his brother, his half-brother, that's where she encountered God in the wilderness. And that's where she names God. Isaac has settled in the place. He's brought his mother's tent Uh to the place that that begins this really difficult story in his family, but it connects him with his brother and it connects him with Hagar. And there's something really, really intentional and powerful and beautiful about that. And about Mm -hmm. the fact that they begin their married life in this place where God found Hagar in the desert, you know, place of meaningful place and peace there. Yes. He's comforted. That's lovely. And what God said to Hagar there was God hears and things will be hard for you, but things will turn out all right. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what's happened to Isaac in his life. And he gets comforted there. And it's the place of like his two mothers. Mm -hmm. And, and there's something really beautiful about that. Mm -hmm. And Abraham is just in the next town or wherever Abraham is, I can't remember right now, but dying and has servants attend to him. Mm-hmm. No, he's really old. But with his next wife. Yeah. Kedera. Yeah, about her. Right. Yeah. Um hmm. but, but again, we know that Isaac and Ishmael find him, uh, I mean, find each other and bury him. But but anyway, that's a that's a really moving moment. I feel like it's a place that represents his two mothers. We don't normally think of Hagar as being a mother to him, but in some ways, the fact that he has now settled in this place. Mm-hmm makes me think she's there you know she's part of that and what's interesting is like the last time we hear about hagar it says she makes her home in the wilderness yeah and she gets a wife for her mm-hmm. son, her son which is to typically done the way it's done here it's the father who gets the wife mm-hmm. but hagar gets the wife for ishmael yeah and she makes her home in the wilderness and now we we see Isaac making his home in the wilderness where she found and named God. So I love that you found out that the word love means romantic love. And that's the partner that God picked for Isaac. God comforts Isaac after everything Isaac's been through with the love of his life. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. And what's interesting is then you see love enter into this story of the, of our, 
patriarchs and matriarchs in a new way. Because remember, like Jacob, her son, her favorite son, right, is going to be in love with Rachel, right? And he gets tricked. like, and he and he gets tricked by Laban, her brother, who is yeah. There's like all these other things going on in the text, but like that relationship, that loving relationship that Jacob would have seen. Is like he loves Rachel. Well, and that change that changes how he does family, right? Well, I mean, it's something you pointed out last week too. Is families are all dis all the dysfunctional families are dysfunctional <laughs> in their own way, and they all have <laughs> drama, mm-hmm. but they also at the core have love. What could this say to us today? Hmm. Um, I sort of feel like. Your willingness to allow yourself to be vulnerable and open yourself up to the possibility of a future mm. is, is something that can change the course of your life and bring you comfort like it does to Isaac. Because Isaac has been deeply traumatized and he has essentially lost a relationship with his father and his mother has died. And saying Isaac was comforted after his mother's death tells us that he's grieving Mm -hmm. and he's going out in the evening to walk in the field. I mean, that sounds like somebody who's looking for something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he had to allow himself to be vulnerable and, and this, that's beautiful. I love that she's willing to set out. Yeah. Like Rebecca's like, first of all, they ask her, I can't love that yes. enough. And yeah. then, yeah, like, like that kind of agency. And also like, I think this is, this plays on the theme of consent mm-hmm. that when it's a God thing, God oh, does yes. ask for our consent. That's right. Go on a new, a new adventure. And so like, we hope that you'll say yes, like to whatever thing that God is asking you to do. Right. But you also need to know that God will be with you even if you say no. Like you may have missed the opportunity to change history. (laughs) Right. But like that doesn't stop God's loving kindness towards you. Or you might end up with a different opportunity to change history. Mm -hmm. But God is not going to force you into marriage. (laughs) Yeah, and like of, of like any uh, like marriage as metaphor, right? Right, right. So right, like, but literally yeah. here, mm-hmm. um, that's that's really powerful. And those two things together, that if you are grieving, and things have happened to you that are heartbreaking, and you're willing to open yourself up, God will find you and bring you comfort. Mm-hmm. And similarly, if you're out, if you're the the chaos muppet. <laughs> looking for adventure, God will seek your permission before God sends you on an adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's really beautiful. But you're right. We cannot emphasize enough what a big deal this is that in a whole cultural context where women, where the whole idea of just negotiating the purchase of a wife, the idea was here. It was purchase, right? Yes. And, and this is on purchase. Yeah. <laughs> But they asked her. <laughs> and I can't help. And you notice what's funny is like, they also talk about Rebecca's grandmother, Milka, 
Like yeah. she's gets named like big like, deal. <laughs> so like, I can't help but think that Laban is like, Oh, thank God. Rebecca's gone. <laughs> Well, or, or like, or like, if we don't mention Milka, she'll kill us. You know, like she'll come back from the dead, right? Box our ears. Like these are big. This is a big deal. And the blessing, may you, our sister, become thousands of myriads. May your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. Woo! <laughs> oh, by the way, like that blessing. Also the first blessing for a woman in scripture. So canonically, uh, like, so not only do we have like the first love, right. romantic love, we also have the first blessing granted to for a, a woman. woman. And she it's is a her badass blessing. <laughs> it's a badass. Bad they seem to know exactly who she is. Your offspring's going <laughs> to gain possession of the gates of their foes, baby. Like you had ours. <laughs> Um, that is fantastic. All right, let's go to the gospel. <laughs> okay. And let's whoop, zip forward. Um, yeah, we will. Yeah. Okay, I'll start reading it. All right. Okay, this is from Matthew 11, starting at verse 16. Jesus said to the crowd, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and as they say, he had the demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of the tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Jesus, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here ends the reading. Okay. I totally love the comedy in this. <laughs> For John came neither eating or drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard. I love, yeah. I love the comedy in this. It's so, it, For me at least because I love comedy, I love humor. It makes them so much more human than the way in which we try to make all the people in the Bible into like um, a super holy people, you know? <laughs> like so people who them. don't have anything to do with us because we're not holy people. So therefore we just buy <laughs> this thing, you right. know, like, um, I don't know this. I don't know about you, Jenny, but this podcast is called The Irreverend. So. For, I know. <laughs> well, I did that for a reason, right? <laughs> totally. And I love, so I love the snark here. I love it because it makes them human and they're my people. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, what, what should, how, where should we get started? How many things? The problem with this is that there are three different sections in I one know. reading. So we should probably pick one to drill down into. Yep. Like I, what really captures my imagination is uh, 
uh, when Jesus is praying in the middle section and he says, I thank you, Father, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Right. Um, Because it was your gracious will. And so like, so like, let's, I mean, I would be interested in talking about that because it's so, wow. (laughs) On the one hand, it makes no sense. But on the other, it's part of that pattern that we see with Jesus of turning things upside down from what you would expect. Mm-hmm. The, the last shall be first, you know, the harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. It mm-hmm. turns people's understandings of what their culture expected. It turns them upside down. Yeah. And it, it doubles down on it. This is babies. Yes, this isn't even just children. Like, mm-hmm. if you had the faith of a child, I mean, then we can sort of more nostalgically imagine that. But this is infants. Yeah, this is different. Like, my daughter is five. And right. so she's at that phase where she just says things that are like just like totally a corker, you know, like all the time. And you think like, oh, if you had faith like, faith like that, like, you right. know, like, like well, you, you would get it. But like, this is even more than I that. Know. Like, this is, this is like, in faith, we are infants. Like, this is like God's power making up for our weakness. Well, and as people who, though yours, your daughter is only uh, five years from being an infant or four and a half, depending <laughs> on how long you consider infants, infants minor decades in the rearview mirror there. But we remember how utterly helpless infants are. Mm. And that invites us like you say, we're infants when it comes to our faith. I might even be able to buy that, Becky, you know, but when I think of myself as an actual infant, completely and utterly helpless, I don't like thinking that. Like, it's one thing for me to think that intellectually I'm an infant when I compare myself to God and my faith. That I'm easy, it's easier for me to do. But if, in, if I think of myself as, as actually like an infant, yeah, that level of vulnerability and that level of reliance on God and that little control, that's not, that's something that's really hard. That's hard, but is it accurate? Like, I think something I've been thinking about with the pandemic all the time is like how much control we thought we had. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> and it was just all an illusion. Like yes. we thought we had control over life and death over our comings and goings, over all of those things. And what this, this time has revealed to me is how little control we ever had. Well, and people even say that to us. People even say, like, who have had a sudden diagnosis of cancer or something that took away, you know, they had a car crash and it took away their mobility for a period of time and they realize how little control. People say mm-hmm. that to us and we just nod our heads and say, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Because emotionally we can't handle that truth. Exactly. Because like, that's like scary. That's scary to be, to be so reliant on, it's like enough to make us go into meltdown. Like, like speaking of five-year-olds, like, you know, like something I say to her all the time is like, I, it is tough to be five. Oh, it's God, really I- hard. It is. And I'm not going to pretend like it's not hard. Right. Um, and it's not, and it's hard to be, it's hard to be 35. I was going to say it's hard, hard to be 56. <laughs> Let me be clear. Like it's hard to be all of those things, but like, you know, it's I just like be being human. little, it's hard to be human, but like, there's something so 
like desperately hard about being a child. Yeah. And that's why child abuse is so pernicious, you know, like, because it's, it's like the more vulnerable person is the, the more horrible a crime against them is. Right. And so like, but like, that's where we are in some real ways is just this like total dependence on, on God for like, we can't manufacture grace. Like we can't, M- like, make divine you, love you know like okay so you say that except there is a whole line of thinking that we even see a glimpse of in not just a glimpse i mean they say it out loud in genesis god has blessed my father and has made him you know many herds given him many herds and all this wealth there is a line of thinking that says in some ways we can manufacture grace by being good that's so cute i know that's part of what that's part of the way we fool ourselves right is because it it, makes we think we have control over it no and it's also makes god a sort of awful you know because Mm, it's a pay for it's a pay to play yes and it's god is a vending machine and if only five more people prayed you might have lived but you know gosh I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and it's sad and it makes god not only heartless and just like a, a vending machine but it means that god doesn't really love us either whereas like if we understand ourselves to be infants we depend on that motherly godlike love <sighs> Like the, like that we, for every, for our sustenance, for our care, for our, our every single thing, we depend on God for all of those things. Right. And like, and here's the thing, like God wants to give us that care and that love. And, and we just lay there. <laughs> we just, we lay, just there. lay there. Or even worse, we think we try to do it ourselves and we get up and try to do these things. And like, it's like, you know, like, it's like you've seen it's a like kid with, try to pour themselves right. a, a glass of orange juice. Right. You know? Right. Like, ah! right. <laughs> like, right. Oh, no worries, mom. I can do this myself. What? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. my God. Yeah, uh, we think we can do it. And we're like, I can do this. And then we, like, try to do it. And like, and we're just like, and it's not to say that God doesn't want us to come into maturity. It's just that like, without that love that undergirds our entire being, we cannot do anything. On the one hand, we think infants are helpless, but on the other hand, they can be so dangerous. (laughs) Like (laughs) the the, the capacity, like think about how you baby proof a house, right? Like you stick things in the sockets. Anything that fits in a toilet paper tube. I lived in mortal mortal fear of grapes and hot dogs. Like I'm still afraid to feed my child hot dogs. Because I know. Like (laughs) and seriously, my children were well into their upper teens before Joe stopped (laughs) doing things like cutting up strawberries. I think that's the child abuse prosecutor in him. But like on the one <laughs> hand, we're completely helpless. And on the other, our capacity for self-destruction is, is endless. 
right? But that's true. Like, this is truth. Like, these, both of these things are true about us, like, deeply true about us. And the best thing is that, like, God's here for it. I know. <laughs> I bet we're adorable. I, I know. I like, oh, God, that's so cute. Isn't that God's cute? like, oh, me, that's so cute. Oh, isn't this adorable? <laughs> watch. Ginny thinks she's got this all figured out. Oh, watch this with me. This is going to be adorable. No. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I totally hear you. I love you saying that God is there for it and thinks we're adorable. I think you're right. I do think that is the kind of love God has for us. And I think the use of the word infants is part of that. And I think uh. that God is not actually the old man up in the sky with a clipboard waiting mm -hmm. for us to fail, which is so much of a of a cultural image people have look at the other clues here first of all it's the use of the word father um and mm -hmm. often it's really a word that means something more like daddy yeah and then for such was your gracious will i mm. mean not just I mean, your gracious will, like this gentleness, this like utter kindness. Mm. And, and then also that last part that's like cut off and stuck on at the end is, is also language that is supposed to sound, help us see God as gentle and humble and you will find rest. Mm -hmm. You guys are babies. Just rest. But, but <laughs> we need to give God those things like like that's the carrying heavy burdens part like who puts those heavy burdens on us usually us i know because we think we're all wise because we, we think, think we, we can, can figure it. it all out no we have figured it out obviously oh my god. yeah you and i oh my god don't you see the irony of us talking about this oh my god, god i firmly believe god loves irony have I, you read the bible yeah i know <laughs> also, also i think god thinks we we must be adorable right because we're trying this and we're trying we're trying really hard to use all the gifts god gave us the intellect the curiosity the faith the sense of humor all of it <laughs> our motherhood all of it when you've been a parent you realize that's the way god loves us and this isn't the first place where the implication mm -hmm. is if you could be more like infants or children, you would understand better. But instead, mm -hmm. you try to be all fake grown up. And yeah. I still love you just as much, but man, things don't go as well for you. Yeah. When if you if you were able to know that like like my love isn't going to go away, it never goes anywhere. Like, can you learn how to trust it? And we can't use our intellect to get there. We have to do that thing, like I said, with Isaac. We have to surrender. We have to mm. just be willing to give to just be vulnerable again. Oh, that is so hard for Episcopalians. It's hard for everybody, but like we love being smart, so it's extra hard. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we do. We love being clever. And oh, but clever doesn't cut it. I won't even say it's necessary because I don't even believe it's necessary. Some of the most faithful people I know are not clever people. 
And we put such stock in cleverness and it just doesn't, and I'm not saying it's bad, like cleverness can be used to the glory of God. But the idea that we can figure it all out and have control over it. We can't clever our way into this. It's not a riddle. No. Okay. So let's do a Lectio. You get to pick this time because I picked last time. Okay. Boy, I just am really struck by this. Then Isaac brought her into his mother, Sarah's tent. Mm. Isaac brought her, then Isaac brought her into his mother, Sarah's tent. What does it make you think of? You know, that's like home for him. Yeah. Like it's home for him in a way that, and what's interesting, I like the idea of home being movable. Oh yeah. Like for me, I've been homesick for central Pennsylvania because everything about central Pennsylvania that is wonderful about the summertime and like the fireflies, the fireflies and the rivers and the mountains and the, the way the air smells and just like all of it. Like I ache for it. Um, but I also know that home is movable, right? It's where people are. mm Mm-hmm. And some of my people are in central Pennsylvania, but, um, you know, like my little person and my other person, like they're here. Yeah. So like I need to remember. Yeah. And find a home. I need to find a home with my order Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) My order Muppet and my tiny chaos Muppet. Right. You know, like there's just, um, that, you know, like, and so like, there's like a familial thing, even in even our text, even our, even in our textile, we are, um, <laughs> we're here, you know, and together. So what does this make me think about? Why did I pick it? I think because I'm the mother of sons of like young men, sons, this moment feels very, um, touching in the sense that it shows that Isaac, how heartbroken Isaac still is over his mother's death, about how he is bringing her into his mother's tent is about, as you said earlier, making her the matriarch, but it's bringing her into his heart in a way that only his mother had been. But oh, I, <laughs> I totally think that's a result of me having a 24 year old son who has a serious girlfriend. Um, you know what else it makes me think of Sarah's tent was a place where she encountered God mm-hmm. back when she and Abraham, you know, again recognizing that their homes are movable when they had parked by parked their RV by the um <laughs> by the oaks of Mamre and God came to them with the as a trio of men and they fed them you know they made that big feast and then they told Sarah that she was they told Abraham that Sarah was going to have a baby and Sarah was at the entrance to her tent and she got this message and she laughed and now Isaac is named laughter. There's something that this tent and the doorway to the tent is holy ground, Mm. no matter where it goes. And he brought her in there 
And there's something about that idea. You know, we cultures, humans have long had the idea of relics or holy places that they cherished and, and go back to and all of that. They had to have seen Sarah's tent. Sarah's tent didn't just represent his mother and the love of his mother, but it also really represented this place where she encountered this good news that Isaac would be born and his, and then his name of course is laughter after that moment. It's probably also where she delivered Isaac. Right. And this is Sarah's tent is holy space. It's a place of anguish and it's also a sign of God can do anything. And I am just really touched by that and and by the idea that there there are places that are holy ground. And as you say they can move around with us. And some of it is because of relationship and some of it is because God visited us there. And some of it is that we we you know we've experienced some of our greatest joys and our greatest sorrows and pains and heartbreak there and he brought her into that and there's just something you know something beautiful about that and i guess that's also what marriage is right is 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 bringing somebody in to the fullness of who you are mm. and it's holy holy ground so meaningful so what's your blessing that comes to you out of this sort of conversation about both this story about Isaac and Rebecca and also the, the gospel and the part we focused in on, which was um, wisdom and of infants. Right. And the wisdom all of that. Well, yeah. What? Oh my God. And yeah, we talked about, well, this was kind of a mom episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're closer to the That's sun, okay. but I'm closer to like Isaac getting married. Blessing. Uh, uh, my blessing. Um, or your prayer. It could be. A, or my prayer. Um, my prayer is that um, we might recognize the love that's in our lives. That's sweet. Yeah. I'm going to bless, and it has nothing to do with the fact that she's your namesake, but I am going to bless all the Rebecca's of the world <laughs> who are living in a culture that would minimize them, and yet they are boldly themselves anyway, that they are a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Hashtag a force to be reckoned with. Yes. <laughs> that they let themselves, they trust God and they trust themselves to, to go where God is calling them. Well, so um, thanks for listening, everybody. And Becky, thank you for bringing your <laughs> awesomeness. And your momness. We totally needed us to both be moms to do this episode. But thank you for, for being with us these past two weeks. And oh, my gosh. Of course. It's been so fun. So Of course. And we hope that our listeners 
understand part of the big picture of this is to help you see that these stories can be fun and deeply meaningful and they, they're not just a stories of a bunch of old dead people they are stories of us mm. and so thanks for listening thanks for being with us becky thanks lady all right bye now